Welcome to Procurement Reimagined, a podcast by Gatekeeper. We believe traditional procurement has had its day, the world is changing, and our industry needs to change with it. On the podcast, we share the best practices to help you streamline your procurement processes, navigate vendor onboarding, and ultimately get the most value out of your vendor contracts. I'm your host, Daniel Barnes. In this episode of Procurement Reimagined, I'm joined by Matthew Booth, a procurement and contracts manager at PM Group. Matthew shares his insights on supplier relationship management from understanding its real value, how to implement it, and the real world challenges faced in implementation. He also shares tips on how procurement leaders can drive value within their organizations. Matthew has 25 years of leadership in the procurement space. He is passionate about procurement because of its ability to create multiple points of value for the organization from cost and risk mitigation to innovation and sustainability. Well, Matthew, firstly, it'd be really good to get a little bit more knowledge and information about you. So your background, what you've been doing. I've looked at the research that my team conducted and it looks like you've got a fairly good career behind you so far. Yeah, well, clearly. Thanks for that, Daniel. So, yeah, I'm in my early 50s and with age obviously comes experience. And that means that, you're rightly so, I've been around. I'm married with a son. I'm English by birth. My father was a Yorkshireman, but I'm Scottish in my heart. My mother was from Scotland and I spent most of my school holidays as a child enjoying the Scottish countryside. But I reside and work in Switzerland. I am a proud procurement professional of a little over 25 years. I have a real passion for the profession due to mostly the multiple points of value that we can create for our employers, whether that be cost, risk mitigation, innovation, sustainability, market intelligence, you know, you name it. Procurement brings everything. And I'm preaching to the converted, I'm sure. I've worked in both direct and indirect procurement for some of the biggest companies in their field, such as PepsiCo, Teva and DSM and across industries. So food, pharmaceutical, chemical, nutrition. And I am now heading up procurement for a leading EPCM, that's Engineering Procurement and Construction Management Company, in their relatively new office in Basel, Switzerland. So we're servicing the pharmaceutical industry in Switzerland as they invest and grow. Yeah, those are our clients. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. Actually, I just had a quick question about your current role. It just came to mind because I might talk to you at home right now. Is this your home office? Yes, yes, I'm at home. Yeah, and I think I can see a SIPS certificate in the background. I may be wrong. You certainly can, yes. Just can. I was just intrigued. Are you fully remote or are you hybrid or in office? Hybrid, actually. So we're doing two days a week in the office and three days a week at home. And those two days in the office can be either in the office in Basel or on the site of the client where the rest of the construction management team are based. Yeah, no, something came to mind just when you were talking. I saw someone comment on one of my LinkedIn posts earlier today about challenges of procurement this year could be almost exacerbated by this difference of whether you're in office all the time, remote or hybrid. And I haven't really given it too much thought. So yeah, I was just interested, we won't explore that avenue too much because what we're here to talk about today, and I'm really excited about it, is supplier relationship management. We were just talking briefly before I hit record. And firstly, Matthew, maybe it'd be really good to get your sort of interpretation of what is supplier relationship management. Yeah, so it's not rocket science. Supplier relationship management 
which is often reduced to the acronym SRM, is the procurement version of what the salesman has in their CRM, customer relationship management. So it's the opposite side of the table. So like sales in procurement, the aim would be that you build and maintain a mutually beneficial business relationship and, of course, strengthening the bond, I like to call it partnership, between the supplier and yourself, the customer. Yeah, the mutually beneficial part is... Mutually, exactly. That's the key part, mutually beneficial. And I think as we go through, I'm sure we'll explore that in more detail. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so this podcast, what we're trying to do in some way is reimagine procurement. And I actually think this is a really interesting topic to put forth under this. So first, I'll just start off by asking, how could we reimagine supplier relationship management or SRM? Or is that the wrong starting point here for us? So I would say, let's first pair it back and back to basics. So we have to understand and appreciate that value can be derived from having supply relationship management. But it's less about reimagining it and more about having it implemented properly. You know, it's the, one of those topics in procurement that's been talked about for many, many years, well before we were speaking about innovation and sustainability and diversity. We were talking about relationship management. But it's very few organizations that have implemented it and implemented it properly. Part of the reason for that is because you need to be patient. The results don't come overnight. And of course, we're living today in a world where everything happens faster than it did yesterday. So in all honesty, I think it's about not reimagining per se, but actually understanding what it is, how it can value your organization and how you can implement it properly. And that you could say that's reimagining it. Yeah, no, I'm completely on board with you because the reimagination of SRM in some ways is just getting it implemented, which sounds wrong to say it. But like you say, and, and we were talking just before we pressed record, it's very difficult to find this. I think there's more and more teams and departments that are having this as an aspirational goal or an idea with what they're trying to achieve. But I'm still yet to see the entire sort of end-to-end of SRM implemented an incredible way. I've seen pockets of it. And that's what almost frustrates me with SRM. And one place I was at, it was a big defense aerospace supply chain program I was leading. And we built this project charter and we shared it with all of the suppliers and we all kind of committed to it. And our the contractors above us that we were delivering to, we all bought into this vision. And I, at the time, maybe I was just a bit too junior or naive. And on reflection, I was like, actually, that was the makings of an SRM strategy in some ways, just getting that initial sign up, all working to one goal, trying to get innovation in. Anyway, I will stop talking because I'm very keen to hear from you, but there's pockets of it for sure. It's absolutely correct. And I'm in the same boat, by the way. As I said at the beginning, you know, pretty much close to 25 years as a procurement professional, and I have yet to see it implemented and delivering the value that we all know is there, simply because it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. Yes, we've established that there could be a reimagination of it, not necessarily key. We need to talk about adoption. It takes time, takes patience. Is that because it just, you know, fundamentally how I look at this, and I think you do it as well, judging by the notes that we've exchanged beforehand, it's almost akin to building up some sort of friendship with your suppliers and that relationship as you work on it and it becomes stronger you get more out of it is that kind of how you see it 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly how I see it. So in my honest opinion today, the value that we derive from SRM is only a fraction of what it could be, of what it should be. I like to think of SRM just like a friendship. So you will have acquaintances, you will have mates, and you will have friends. And we invest more time with our friends than we do with our acquaintances. But we also get back more in return. Friends are there to support you. To use as an example, you've come home from a party. It's one o'clock in the morning. You get home, you realize you've lost your keys. You can't get into the house. I pick up my mobile phone and I ring an acquaintance. They're not going to answer the phone. <laughs> uh, let's be honest. Possibly a mate might if it's someone who's been at the same party. But guarantee you, if you ring you know, your closest friend, they're going to answer the phone. They're going to help you. They're going to invite you over to their place to spend the night and you can sort out your problem with your keys in the morning. And that's exactly the, the situation that we need to be in with SRM. We need to invest in the relationship. And the more we invest, the more we get back. Traditional procurement people ask for lower prices. Lower prices is not sustainable. Yeah. We're seeing that right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can do it and, and you can keep squeezing and keep squeezing. But we need to derive the value that we bring as a function from other streams. And this is where a properly run SRM program can help to be a differentiator for your business. Yeah, I am in complete agreement. And I was going to try not to share too many anecdotes, but I've just got a really good one. I wonder, maybe uh, that you'll be intrigued to hear about, Matthew, because at one point I was dealing with on an aerospace program. It's actually the same one, but it was such a long, big program. Kind of felt like it was two different ones. But we had a supplier working that looked like they were going to do some work for us. And all my engineers were telling me that they were rubbish. But someone else, once upon a time, had said, we're going to go work with these. And the reason was because of cost. They weren't to be good costs. But the cost was going up. The engineers were telling me it wasn't being the requirements. I was new to this program. And I managed to find one other supplier that looked like a good fit. We looked all over the world, found some in the US, but there was one local supplier who was in the UK and started courting them, building up the relationship. And after a few months of courtship, let's say, building that friendship, we went there, we inspected their facilities, walked around, talked to them, and we came home with, I kid you not, a free component. And these components were like 10 or 15 grand each. I can't remember the exact price. And it was way cheaper than what the other supplier. It didn't have some stuff done to it that we needed to do to make it airworthy and things like that. But they just gave it for free and said, go away, go play with it, go and enjoy it. If you break it, no issues, just like hammer it to pieces. And this was purely because myself and the engineers have built up this relationship. We put relationship first, we shared information, been really clear and transparent with one another. And already it made dividends for us <laughs> with no contract in place, which is slightly more risky. But like you say, friendships, you can kind of get away with that. You don't need a formal agreement at all times. And we moved on eventually to sign a contract with them and it was amazing. So I'm completely with you. From simple beginnings, right? Yeah, coffees, going and meeting up with one another. They came to our site. We went to theirs eventually, like I said. Yeah, just conversations like human beings. And, and actually, that's kind of what I've always uh, found funny in procurement is sometimes procurement practices get caught up with building relationships and overcomplicate it. It's just talking to someone else, making that rapport, like you do with a friend, someone you meet at a pub, coffee shop. There's nothing to it. You were in the aerospace industry. So now when I say it's not rocket science, <laughs> yeah, quite literally. <laughs> in this case, maybe it was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, so no, I'm in complete agreement with you. So we kind of discussed this mutually beneficial element, building the relationship, forming it, and there's some sort of benefits that we can be gained. Could I ask you to kind of maybe go into some of those benefits that we might be able to leverage along further down the line in our relationships? Okay. So what comes to mind is a couple of ones that I think are really important. So first and foremost, depending on your industry, of course, but innovation is a big one. Yeah. So most organizations that are producing products that go out into the market will have their own team of research and development professionals, right? Mm -hmm. They're expensive. And it's very challenging for them to decide which opportunities to focus on because, you know, there'll be an innovation pipeline, different areas of the business, sales and marketing will be coming, or maybe we can do this because I've promised it to customer A and, oh, no, I want you to do this because I've told customer B that we can do it. And it's really difficult. But I think if you're in a good partnership relationship with one of your suppliers, you'll find they also have their R&D, their innovation team, and their innovation team will be a lot more focused on the raw materials that they're delivering to you that can bring benefits, whether it be on cost, whether it be on quality, whether it be on a differentiation between what you can put into the market and what your competitors can put into the market. So combining the innovation potential of your business together with that of a few selected key suppliers, you can deliver your projects faster and you share the learning and you share the benefits. And I think, you know, that's ultimately the goal, because like any relationship, it's about what can you give me and what can I give you? So if you help me to bring a product to market that has a differentiator or is cheaper or is greener, then that should grow my sales, which in turn will grow your sales. So that's how it works. And I mentioned it there, Greener. Obviously, the second example I have would be sustainability. It's a topic that's really high on the agendas of CEOs across most industries these days. And still, it's evolving as a discipline. The knowledge and experience within most organizations is still fairly limited. So if you can unlock the potential of more sustainable solutions, by working collaboratively with your partners, then you'll be able to succeed much quicker than your competitors. I want to give you an example because I was working on a Scope 3 project. And if you look at your carbon footprint of the materials that you produce, that you put into the marketplace, you can usually split that down into three different categories. Scope 1, Scope 2, and Scope 3. Scope 1, this accounts for the carbon that you create in converting your raw materials into finished products. The scope two is coming from the supply chain bits, the logistics, the energy, and so on and so forth. And then you have the final piece, which is the impact on your carbon footprint, which is coming from your raw materials. I guess you'd be surprised if I told you, maybe not, you're also a procurement professional, but 80% typically of the carbon footprint of a finished product is coming from the raw materials in the supply chain. Yeah, so, do you know what, Matthew, that's super intriguing because I was literally going to give you that stat or something similar. Was, the figure I had it in my mind was like two first to 8%, something like that. Literally, as you were talking, I have like a graphic of scope one, two, and three emissions that I just 
I don't know, I grabbed it a couple months ago. I can't even remember where the source is. I find it super useful just to look at, just to kind of try to visualize all of this. I'll try and maybe include it in our show notes and description once the podcast goes live. So I think it'd be a good like visual there. It's cool that you're getting involved in that because I'm still talking to lots of people where much like SRM, <laughs> that part still feels rather, let's say aspirational <laughs> as well. Yeah, indeed. But yeah, I was fairly lucky to be in a very advanced organization that was committed to Scope 3 and sustainability targets. So just rounding that off, if you like, I believe that once you have a developed SRM program where you can share your targets and opportunities with your partners, it's possible for you then to be the fastest and the most efficient to get your reductions, which ultimately leads to additional sales, improved customer confidence, which in turn means additional business for your supply partner as well. So we often talk in procurement about win-win. This is the perfect example of win-win, but you have to have that relationship, which is fostered on trust, because I'm going to share information with you and you're going to share information with me. I'm going to work together as a supplier and a customer to bring about change that benefits us both. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I almost can't see any way, shape or form of companies reaching sustainability goals, implementing ESG, if they don't have SRM as the backbone of all that they do. Because of you have to be very transparent and very open and almost very vulnerable to say, hey, maybe you've done some sort of survey and it looks like our supply chain's got this. Maybe the scope free counts are way more than 80 or way less and you want to get to a certain target. Some of that can be quite damning on the approach that you've taken so far. It can be, I would say, quite vulnerable. But yeah, I just can't see any way around it unless you've got these relationships with, like you said, key suppliers. Just a few suppliers can make all of the difference. I do imagine, and I'm making a bit of an assumption here, Matthew, that a lot of this could be locked up in just a few of your key suppliers as well. So a few key suppliers could make a drastic difference as well to all of this. But yeah, I'm with you on that. I do believe so. And, and that's one of the first things that you do in, in procurement is you perform your segmentation to understand who's your key supplier. And if they're your key supplier, that's stage one. But then developing the relationship with that key supplier is critical to your long term success on a number of different value streams that procurement can bring to the business. Yeah. And that segmentation, I would be interested to kind of talk to people in various industries over the next couple of years to see how they are factoring in their segmentation because I think quite traditionally it's risk and cost-based, but whether the likes of ESG, scope-free emissions, other elements get pulled more into that decision-making process as to actually who are our key suppliers and who are our, let's say, more transactional suppliers that we don't care about. There could be a bit of a shift there. So yeah, no, that's a, a good point to raise. And I'm just thinking here, we've kind of spoken about some of the challenges loosely, but what is the major challenge here that's kind of stopping SRM from emerging within more businesses? Well, it's an excellent question, but it's the easiest that I can answer. <laughs> and it's a one word answer, faith. Because there's a cost implementation, of course there is. You can't implement SRM properly without incurring some costs. You need to have people that can spend time meeting with suppliers, whether that be traveling to the site of the supplier, welcoming the supplier to your site, meeting mutually beneficial locations such as conferences, trade fairs, etc. 
But the issue is that you don't necessarily get those immediate returns. Going out and saying hi to your key supplier and having that initial conversation, it's just the starting point. You need to build on it. And building on it takes time in the same way that any relationship does. Unless you're on channel four or channel five, whatever it is, where you have Love Island gets married in 24 hours. But even the basic relationships upon which our society is founded, you know, you don't meet somebody in the bar and then go to a church and get married the same day. You build a relationship, you build the trust. And it's exactly the same. You have to build that trust over time. And that's why it needs faith, because you won't get your results one day later, one week later, one month later. It might be one year, two years, even three years before you start to see real tangible results, whether it be through lowering your CO2 footprint, whether it be bringing innovation streams, whether it be reimagining the packaging or reimagining the way that the product is produced, just takes time. And therefore, for me, the CEOs of the world, the business leaders, they need to have faith in the process, not looking for the quick win, but moreover, investing in long-term benefits that will continue to grow as that relationship continues to flourish. Yeah, it's a, a good point. It does take time. It kind of feels like we overcomplicate the relationship piece. But when businesses are thinking about, like, what do we need from our suppliers? Well, maybe we need good relationships. That does take time and that needs to be recognized. Maybe a way to think about this is, like, what's the flip side of almost not doing this, right? And what I always think about is more risk emerging with our key suppliers that we may not know about. And that scares me because there's often a commercial impact of some sort there or a loss to our competitors, right, in terms of market share or product quality. And you mentioned, I think it was probably the first thing you said was SRM is like the flip side of effectively what good sales teams do, which is they have lots of different touch points, pre and post sale. And procurement in comparison to sales, in my view, they're quite awful in comparison. Those sales teams will have you tracked from start to finish. They will care about you throughout and they genuinely do care about you a lot i know sales teams sometimes get a lot of stick for maybe just trying to chase money but they will have a very structured approach to trying to win business from you build a better relationship from you share information and innovate with you as well and i think procurement could probably and business in general could get a lot more out of their suppliers if they think a little bit more about it like that yeah you see how it works daniel yourself you go to a website you buy something they always ask you if you want to sign up for a newsletter. 99 times out of 100, you get a follow-up email suggesting that you buy some more, here's something else that you might be interested in. They're not in it for the short term. They're in to building the relationship. Once they've got you on the hook, so to say, they don't want to let you go because you've already proven once that you will be a customer of theirs. So now let's make the most of that potential and we don't do that in procurement. We don't do that enough, let me say. I can't generalize for every company. Of yeah, course. yeah, of course. I think a podcast like this is almost a safe space to generalize. I think but there's some accuracy there for sure. And uh, yeah, it's something that's always frustrated me in the profession because it's just such a great opportunity. And I would say, Daniel, now is the time because there's an awful lot of talk about transformation. 
And that's really just about moving the procurement from the old, we deliver cost savings into we deliver value across a wide variety of streams. But one of the other trendy things that's happening at the moment is digitalization. Well, sales are digital. They're light years ahead, aren't they? They are so bright. <laughs> They've got everything at their disposal. And what do we have really in procurement? Generally speaking, again, very little. And I think that when you consider reimagining SRM, you have to implement digital tools that can support you, that create collaboration spaces, that provide you with a more cost-effective method of connecting teams like Microsoft Teams. What a great tool for getting people from your R&D and the R&D of your suppliers on a call together with a predetermined agenda to talk about what it is that we want, what it is that we're looking to develop, and how can you help us? And then in turn, what do you get out of it? And it enables you to do that more cost effectively than, let's say, shipping five R&D people halfway around the world to go and sit in a meeting room in China or, or somewhere similar. It's not practical. So you need those digital tools. I believe that just like the CRM, the customer relationship management tools that are there, they capture all kinds of information, personal information about the people that you're meeting, linking them to their LinkedIn profiles, their Facebook pages, their WeChat account, Twitter feed, or any other social media platforms are available, by the way, and really bringing that information to the fore. So when I'm going to go and meet Daniel, I know about Daniel. I know whether he's married, whether he's got children, where does he live, where did he go to school, what's his hobbies, because you know that about your friends. You know some of that about your mates. You know very little about your acquaintances. We need to be turning acquaintances into friends in the business sense. And you do that by knowing more about them. Imagine you come to my office and the first thing that you say to me is, so, Matthew, how's your son, Oliver? Wow. He remembered that my son is called Oliver. And it doesn't matter that potentially that person is leaning on a note that is in a piece of software. That doesn't matter. What matters is that he actually said it when the person comes through, right? It's a really good impression to make. So I think that will really help. You can also build that with a lot of detailed information about the organization, you know, what type of products they produce, what type of R&D capability they have, whether they have the same vision to grow their business, you know, because there will be some that just quite happy you know, come along, buy 5,000 pieces from me a year, and I'm very happy with it. So be it. There's very little point in investing in those relationships. So I do think you need to capture that and you need to have it available to you when you're out in the field doing your procurement meetings. Yeah, I, um, I was just trying to think who I was talking to, and it was some time ago. And I seem to remember them saying, procurement have been effectively left in the dark. And you look at your sales teams, your HR teams, your finance teams, they're sat there every day. They're working maybe on your net suites, your zeros, sales forces. I don't know the HR tools so well. I've recorded a couple, but like there's a few good ones there as well. Work days and things like that. And procurement are typically sat on email, thousands of emails in their inbox, Excel spreadsheets that typically aren't owned 
by anyone in particular. I, almost, I mean, I've seen it. People just have their own Excel spreadsheet trackers and there's disparate information across all of them. There's no consistency and it's scary. And then you get a good salesperson on the other end talking to you and you're like, how do they know everything? Well, it's because everything's in one place. They've made notes, they've tracked information and they're connected. Matthew, I'm super conscious of time. And there's a couple of questions here that I'm really keen to ask you. What do you wish your younger self knew about supplier relationships? Well, I guess it's fairly straightforward. If I recognised and appreciated the value of those long-term relationships for creating win-win, you know, boiling it down, you start in procurement, you go to meetings, you are targeted, as so many procurement professionals are, with we need to save X million this year or we need to improve our payment terms by X and that's your focus. And you go into a conversation, you go into a meeting and you start with that, you talk about that and you end with that. So I guess if I could go back 25 years and whisper in my ear, I would say invest in the relationship and consider the advantages over the longer term, which, as I mentioned earlier, is what SRM is all about. Yeah, I think that's advice everyone should be telling themselves with every interaction, no matter how minor that interaction is with a supplier, can make it a huge difference. So we're coming into the closing questions now. These are generally quite short and sharp ones. I'm just going to fire, I think it's four questions at you here, Matthew. So the, the first one is, how many contracts do you currently manage? I'm quite fortunate at the moment. It's not too many. <laughs> Probably managing around 20 to 25. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. It's been super interesting asking that question. The reason we ask it is listeners will be from lots of different industries, lots of different sectors, lots of different sizes. And yeah, like the numbers can be, some people are doing under five, some 20, some of my old colleagues were doing hundreds. So like, it's, it's just really genuinely interesting just for me as well. It's incredible. What's one piece of tech that you can't live without? My telephone. That's honestly, I can't tell you. I'm trying to think of how many people I've had so far on this podcast. I've had conversation. Maybe you're the eighth, and I almost think like half of the people have said telephone, mobile phone, or telephone. It's and I agree as well. I think I'm the exact same. You know, you can send emails. Of course, you can, but there's no replacement for picking up the phone and speaking to somebody. Yeah, really, and especially in procurement, we don't do it enough. We need to do it more. We need to meet our suppliers more. We need to talk to them more. And we also need to talk to our internal colleagues as well. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good point, that one. I can remember in my early days of procurement, I did work in government to start with, so it's a little bit more strictness around that. But even for the suppliers that we were on contract with, for long-term contracts, it took something like 14, 15 months for me to actually get up to go meet a supplier that I was managing. And it, honestly, it would take months just to even get approval to spend 30 quid and I appreciate it's taxpayers' money. I did find it much easier in the private sector to go and to do those things, but I'm with you. More is needed. How many vendors do you manage? <laughs> too a, many. Might be, might be a harder one. Too, too <laughs> many, Daniel. It's always too many. It always is, yeah. You know, in an ideal world, you might have between five and ten. Because if you really want to invest the time to get to know them, to engage them in topics such as SRM, how they can help you with innovation and sustainability, how they can help you reduce your risk. You need to spend a lot of time. And if you have 30, 40, 50, 100 vendors that you're managing, you're simply not getting that. Now, 
clearly, as we said earlier today, you do the SRM piece with your key and your key might be five to 10. And above that, you have different categories. And like I also said, you have your friends, your acquaintances and your mates, and you all give them a different level of your time. And I think you have to do that in procurement as well. That sort of three-tiered structure is actually quite a nice one, isn't it? In fact, you're having three tiers there. It does work quite nicely. The strangest question I might ask you to finish this off is, I'm a procurement genie. You have one wish. What is it? Three more wishes. No. <laughs> that would be nice. That's the <laughs> ultimate hack. <laughs> like many people who are watching me today or listening to me today, I'm sure they'll say a supportive and patient CEO and CFO, because if you have that support from the very top of your business, then you can go away and do your SRM. You can bring a value into the business that's not just, oh, I got one cent off, because you know every time you have a negotiation and you feel like you're getting something for nothing, you're not. If I can get five pence, five cents, five krona, whatever it is, off the price, generally that's coming at a cost. Your supplier is making less margin, so they're less interested in you as a customer, which might result in service quality, logistics, response times when problems (laughs) arise, (laughs) all kinds of things. What you really want is the win-win situation. You have to build it. You have to build it over time but it will be more rewarding in the long run. So supportive and patient. <laughs> no, that's a brilliant way to uh, conclude this episode, Matthew. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm a huge advocate of SRM, so I'm just so happy to be able to spend sort of 40 minutes chatting SRM with you today. Thank you, Daniel. I've really appreciated the time to share with you my ideas and my desires for the procurement function. Procurement Reimagined is brought to you by Gatekeeper. To find out more about Gatekeeper and how our vendor and contract lifecycle management solution is delivering visibility, control, and compliance to our customers, visit www.gatekeeperhq.com. And then make sure to search for Procurement Reimagined in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Gatekeeper, thanks for listening.